2022 will be an incredible year. With all the goals that we have set for this year, it will take at least five more managers to accomplish everything. So if you are focused and driven and you are the type of person that likes to make a positive difference in people's lives, please give us a call at 724-638-7588 or check us out at youngentrepreneur.biz. And again, the number was 724-638-7588. The website is youngentrepreneur.biz. The Bible is the single most important book that has ever been written. The creator of the universe gave us a playbook on how to live in his universe and the laws that govern it. On this podcast, we will explore what the Bible says on money, success, business, leadership, influence, relationships, and any other area that we discover may help us in business. So join us to discover the amazing wisdom of the Bible and how we can use it to grow our business and to improve our life. Good afternoon. Hey, this is Jacob here, and we're going to do another podcast here. So today we've got a guest on, and so I'm very excited to interview him, and he's going to share some business ideas and some secrets that he has learned from his business. He's a very successful contractor. He's been a contractor for 24 years. He's got a lot of influence in the commercial roofing industry, and he's got a Facebook page with 11,000 members. He just spoke at uh, RoofCon in Florida, and uh, I respect him very, very much. He also is hosting an event in uh, South Carolina, in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And when, when is that again? February 25th, 26th. February 25th and 26th. So if you're a commercial roofer, please check that out. Uh, what's the event website? CrewSummit.com. Okay, so... CRUSummit.com. Yeah. So check it out. Um, go to the summit and... Uh, because so it be, it would stand for Commercial Roofers United. Correct. Okay. Which so, I yeah. believe is the only conference that is only strictly commercial that yep. I know of. So yeah, I'm very excited to interview Andy today, and um, he's got a lot of influence in the industry, and he has been he has proven himself, and he's been very successful. So Andy, good to have you. Thanks for having me. So basically, my audience is a lot of Christians, you know, and so you know, share us a little bit about your faith, and you know, kind of where that comes into your business. Okay. I grew up on a cherry, an apple farm. My dad had about six or seven hundred acres of apples, cherries, and asparagus. And uh, growing up, I always just kind of thought I would take over the farm. When I got to be about 17 or 18, I realized, you know, even though that might have been my destiny, I wasn't really passionate about it. And uh, my dad didn't really push me towards that. So when I graduated from high school, a friend of mine encouraged me to go try a skilled trade center, go to a vocational center. And so as a young guy, I was still kind of trying to find my direction where, where I wanted to find a good career for myself. And at the trade center, I find, found that um, I really like working with my hands and building things. And not only that, but... I really like working with customers. On a farm, you don't really get to work with customers and see a problem and, and give them a solution and, and fix a pain point. You know, as a farmer, you're just, you know, growing crops and, you know, hoping that you get a good harvest or, or whatever. And so I went back and forth on whether I wanted to stay in the farm or go into the trades. I think when I was like 21 years old, my dad came to me and says, well, we have a buyer for the farm. I need to know if you're serious, are you going to stay on or are you going to do something else? And so... My boss at the time was my cousin, and he says, you know, it's a family farm. It's been, you know, it's been in the family for many generations, and you're the last boy. You know, you got to think about, you know, you got to go back and give it a try one more time. So I did that. I took his advice. I went back and worked with my dad. He gave me a little bit more of a managerial position on the farm, but it's just the passion wasn't there, you know. And so 
about four or five months later, I'm still farming, but I'm doing roofing on the nights and weekends. About a year later, again, my dad came to me and says, hey, I, I got another offer on the farm. Is there something you want to do? Because I see you roofing and doing construction on the side. And I said, you know, I, I had to pray about that because it's a big decision. You know, you can't, once you sell the farm, you can't get it back. And mm-hmm. so um, I ended up deciding, you know, I'm going to stay in construction and, and do that. I only had so much wisdom as a 21-year-old kid at that yep. time. But my way of thinking was my dad sold the farm and got a couple million for it. And he was 54 years old at the time, so he retired pretty young. But if he sold the farm and he got a nice little chunk for it, he'd be able to live comfortably for the rest of his days, mm-hmm. whether I succeeded or failed. Yep. But if I took over the farm, it kind of bothered me a little bit. But like, well, man, what what if I drive this thing into the ground? <laughs> what if I, yep. you know, don't take care of it good and, and then affects him? Yep. At least if I do my own thing, I can live or die and, and uh, succeed and fail on my own. And so... That's kind of the justification I use. Hey, Dad, you sell the farm. I wasn't really too sentimental about it and did my own thing. I'm really glad I did because um, my dad has been able to, I still ask him a lot of advice about business, but yeah, I didn't have to worry about the pressure of, man, uh, I got to make money on the farm. And the way farming has been the last 15, 20 years, you know, with more government overreach, got regulations, is kind of glad that uh, I got out of that. <laughs> but as far as the faith, you know, my mom it. and dad, my mom and dad, uh, they got saved when they were 35 years old. They led a pretty rowdy lifestyle before in their early 30s and 20s, but then they got saved when they were about 34, 35. They decided to have two more kids to dedicate to the Lord. So that was me and my younger sister. So me and my younger sister never seen that rowdy side of my mom and dad. The, the older kids did, but we didn't. And then a couple years later, I was about five years old, they uh, got a group of, um, of their other friends in church and said, you know, we'd like to have a church in our hometown because they were going to the next town um, for their church. And so it took a few times to go to that church and say, hey, we'd like your blessing to, you know, go and start a sister church. Of course, they weren't too crazy about it. But um, after a while, just to make a long story short, my, my dad went to a pastor and had him come in and talk to the deacon board. And they're like, nope, we're not going to give you your blessing. And another pastor come in and speak to the deacon board. Nope, don't have your blessing. I think it happened three or four times. Finally, they brought a missionary church planter guy in, and, and he used, uh, I don't know what, what uh, verse it's out of, but it says, you know, when uh, the, the Pharisee said, you know, if this thing is from the devil, nothing will come of it. But if this thing is from God, you can't there's nothing it. you can do to stand in, way, yep, in the way I of love it. That. And I love with, that. And with that verse, they released our group, and my mom and dad, they went and started their own charter. They went and started their own church. They started in the American Legion Hall, which is this, uh, you know, a little building. And then yep. they saved their money, and after a year, they bought a property on the corner of town and built it. And now we have about five or 600 members in that church. And wow. my dad, at the very beginning, thought he was being uh, led to be a preacher. Okay. You know, he, yep. you know, he kind of started the church. He, started, he spearheaded that thing. But uh, I don't know if it was a friend or somebody in the church that said, Ken, that's my dad's name, Ken, he says, it's your decision, but he says, I don't really think you are being led to be the pastor. I really think you're led to be one of the leaders in the church and more of the financial mentor and the leader mm-hmm. and bring somebody in that is their calling and they've gone to school for it. And so, you know, it's one of those things like what could have been, what should have been, you know, you don't know. But uh, he took that advice and he was uh, the head of the deacon board and a very influential part of the church for probably 25 years. And um, it wouldn't be where it was, where it's at today if it wasn't for my father's leadership there in, in the church there. So, yep. Well, uh, Definitely got a couple things to ask you about that. So how did growing up as a Christian, how does that affect how you do business today? Well, things are black and white. 
Like, you, like when you're dealing with a customer and you're like, man, I got to, I really want this job. Do I fudge this detail? When I write this warranty, do I word it in a way that's to my benefit? So it really boils down to, you know, what would Jesus do? And you can really answer a lot of questions when you just ask yourself that. And you ask it to yourself realistically, like, well, Jesus would write it this way or, you know, or whatever. Yep. You just have to reference the Bible and, and what God or Jesus would intend for you to do. Um, and just be good to people. I mean, yep. instead of always just thinking, like, how am I going to best benefit just love people. out of this deal? Right, you just yeah. deal with, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. instead of ho- hoping you come out of the deal the best, you look at yeah. how can both of us benefit with this deal because we're, we're going to be doing a roof or we're doing a, a project, and we actually want the building owner to come out with the best deal. Yep. And I'm just getting compensated yep. for it. So looking back, I mean, you've been in business for 24 years now. If you had to start over again, what are one or two things that you would do completely differently? Looking back, and you're like, okay, I learned this lesson now, what would you do differently? Well, I would definitely read and educate myself more because, um, you know, I was just hard-headed and I thought, you know, I'll just rough through it and not hit my head against the wall and just, just keep figuring it out. But I, I never, like, read anything. I never did any self-development or uh, anything like that until, like, 2015. Yep. You know, so I went, like, 15, 20 years, 15, 17 years of just... Trying to figure it out myself, right? Yeah. And sometimes it would go through my mind a whole lot. Like, oh, my cousin runs a successful business. Maybe I could ask him. Well, he's my competition, so I can't really ask him. You know, maybe this other guy that I know could give me advice. Nah, he's, he's a big shot. He don't have time for me. You know, and you know, and what would I ask? You know, and so you just, I always kind of, in the back of my mind, wanted somebody to come alongside me and help me and coach me. But I just never got up the yep. gumption to go ask them. And so when did that change, and what kind of got you into the personal development? And, and it's 2015 things? that I had a problem with a particular roofing product, and I decided I'm not using that company no more. And I got online, I started looking for another company to use. It was for roof coatings. A guy found me on there and said, hey, do you mind if we have a phone call? So we talked that night about a, a company called the Conklin Company. At that time, it was just like, yeah, it's just another product. It's, it's going to fit in my company, and I'm just going to use it like any other product. And uh, we talked for about two hours that night. And a month later, I went to training. And it wasn't really at that training that it struck me, but over the course of the next few months, like, these people in this group are really, they work as a unit. They really help each other. They really care about everybody succeeding. And, you know, the information there, the inspiration is there just to make average people, ambitious people, but average people or people that really want something better from life to achieve it. That's where I really started seeing people like, well, I read this book, and I, I took this program, and I followed these five steps that this guy recommended. And if you really want to run a correct presentation or event, you do it this way. And that's when I really started being like, okay, you know, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's, these all, there's all these other people that I can tap into. And if I just do even 50% of what they say they're doing, I'm going to get similar results. And that's really where I just started like, stop banging my head against the wall. And actually, you know, learn learn from other people. And and I've never been a really good reader. Like when I read a book, sometimes I read a sentence and then I read a sentence and I got to go back and read the second sentence because I don't don't digest it well. About 90% of my reading I do with audiobooks. I use Audible. And um, I can make little bookmarks in there. I love that. Oh, I do that too all the time. I I love Audible. Yeah, and on that subject, you love audiobooks and you obviously love podcasts. I mean, in fact, you started your own podcast, like I mentioned, Introduction, uh, the Rocket Roof Show. So tell me a little bit about your podcast Mm -hmm. and kind of what your goal is to achieve with that podcast. So 
I, I kind of have two goals on that podcast. The first is to, and what we say in every show, is to educate and equip roofing contractors for the commercial industry because residential and commercial are truly quite different, even though they're both roofing. Really, just the idea of going from residential to commercial or skipping residential to going to commercial is just the idea of thinking bigger because hopefully I can, I'm speaking for myself, but I think I speak to a lot of other roofers too. They just don't, the reason they're in the roofing trades is because they don't really think highly themselves. Roofing is one of those entry-level jobs. It's like, well, I didn't go to college. I didn't get a degree. I didn't get any higher education. So, eh, roofing something I can do. And everybody always needs roofers. So it's pretty easy to get a job. And it's pretty easy to learn. I like to speak to those people and say, you know, if you just take the step into commercial, there is just a huge gap between the, the income that you can create. Yep. Well, not just the income you can create, but with less headache than residential. If everybody gave up residential then there'd be nobody to roof houses. I get that. So there right, has to be some people yeah. to, to do. And that changes also by location a little yep. bit. Your podcast is more or less you're just trying to help the, the professionalism of the industry go up. And, and I know that I've noticed even in the past five to ten years that has definitely happened. And, you know, you were speaking at uh, the RoofCon this past year. I was actually at that event, and I loved that session. Outside of your own podcast, what are a few other podcasts that you listen to or you would actually recommend? I mean, obviously, you'd recommend your own. Yep. But, <laughs> but outside of that, I, I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts. I do like Joe Rogan. Okay. Just because he's kind of a, he's a no-fluff, shoot-straight yeah. kind of yeah. guy. He does have a little profanity, so I kind of have to, look, uh, you know, get around that a little bit. Yep. But I watch a lot of um, YouTube snippets of okay. like, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and... Gary B. I mean Gary B. and uh, Grant Cardone and uh, John Maxwell, Steve Harvey. Yeah, I, I like listening to Steve Harvey. But so you um, actually do more YouTube, more YouTube, and they're and just like clips, not full podcasts. Yeah, yeah. So. That's awesome. All right, and you had mentioned yesterday. We mean you were talking. You had mentioned a book that you like. What was that book called? Uh, I can actually. Oh, it was called How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling by Frank Edgar. Uh, yep. Um, outside of that book, I mean. I know that's more for sales. Like, I mean, what are you, if you could tell me, give a recommendation to your top three books that you just think they're just really incredible. I mean, in the previous, you know, however long you've been reading books, what are three books that you would highly recommend that you've either listened to on Audible or you've actually physically read? The first one would be the How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success by Frank Becker. So that would be one. And I can't say, I really love the book, but I can't say I've implemented everything he says because he talks about really tracking your numbers, tracking them very closely so you know how to set good targets and achieve them. I'm still working on that. I'm not the most organized guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a hard time writing things yeah. down. But that would be the one I would recommend. The second one would be Michael. The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. That yeah. book, I did utilize what they, he put in there. That book is what really helped me take my tool belt off and get off the roof and on into the office and work on my business instead of in my business. Yeah. I know it sounds cliche, but um, and it wasn't just the book. When I got done with the book, um, it's, it's funny. That was the first book that I actually read that was self-development or anything like that. I was at a B&I. You know what a B&I is? Yep. I was in mm-hmm. a B&I group, and I got it as a door prize. So <laughs> yeah. it, it wasn't like I went and bought it or wanted yeah. it. I got it as a door prize. I'm like, eh, this looks like, you know, and I thought, well, this is an easy read. It's kind of easy to read. So I read through it, and uh, all the way through it, I'm like, He's talking right to my soul. Like, he's talking right to me about you're a technician and yeah. you're working in your business. I love that book. And how are you ever going to scale when you are always got a hammer in your hand? And mm-hmm. by the end of it, I'm like, man, uh, this guy hit right home. But then on the last page, it says, do you want to take this a step further? We have a coaching program. And there was two segments. So the coaching program, you could do an individual coaching program for six weeks, just you and a coach. Or you could do a group where, you know, you're in a group of six or eight people from different professions. 
and I thought, you know, for fifteen hundred bucks, I mean, how can I lose? I mean, uh, yep. if it makes one little change, it's gonna. So I did that. I spent like fifteen hundred bucks, and I took a six week session, and we had a little bit of homework to do every week. That was really when I noticed how powerful a mind shift. You know, I know people throw that word around, mind shift. Oh yeah, mind shift. You know, but like. Through that six weeks, I went from thinking from a technician that worked swinging a hammer every day to thinking, there's a lot of guys that can swing a hammer, but only I can run a business. Only I can go and negotiate insurance prices and estimate this job. And I got to be doing what only I can be doing and uh, delegating better. And so uh, I owe it to that book for helping me get out of that. And that was just a start. That was really how I got out of that and started building up. And so from after that book, what else? I mean, you, you that one and then how? The third, the third book was yep. uh, the Richest Man in Babylon, which I've probably read four times. <laughs> I just I love that book. If you haven't read that book, it was written by George Classen, I think in like George, the yeah, 30s George. or 40s. It's one of yeah. those timeless books. That's I've read. I, actually, I haven't. I've only physically read it one time, uh-huh. but I've like listened to it like 16 times. Yep. Like I mean, yep. yep. And, and, and if I can just take one little snippet out of that book, he talks about how not to get into frivolous investments. You know, right now you see people all over the internet like, oh, I'm investing in crypto and I'm investing in Forex, I'm investing in all these things. And they have no idea what it is that they're, they're invested in, it, right? In that book, they talk about this particular guy that, you know, he wants to invest in jewels, but he doesn't have the time to travel across the country to go get these rare jewels from the next country. So he hires another guy that's going to go across the country and he's going to buy these rare jewels and bring them back. So he gives them the money and he does it. But then he finds out that when the, the guy comes back, they weren't rare jewels, they were pieces of glass. Because the guy that he invested in didn't know the difference between rare jewels and glass and how he was saying, you, you should not be investing in things you don't understand. Yep. And um, I thought, you know, you can use that in, in, in a lot of different areas of life. But yep. I think there's a lot of people that are getting bombarded with things on social media and just life in general that are like, hey, this is a good place to put your money. Hey, you yep. need to jump into this because it's hot right now. And people are just like, okay. And they throw money around and then they lose it. And then they wonder, you know, why they lost yep. their money. As a one more question, you're an absolute genius on social media. <laughs> um, or at least, I mean, I, that's, how, that's how I believe. I mean, I see you everywhere. What do you think? I mean, you think social media is very important in a business? I mean, do you think that's, you know, is that the future of marketing? I mean, is it moving away from digital and uh, other types of digital marketing or more than social media? Or I mean, how can you view that? And what could you share with the audience that you think would help them in their businesses? Well, I mean, my secret would be get yourself out there. I see a lot of people that just like they're afraid to have their face on the camera. They're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. About four years ago is when I started really doing video and uh, audio and stuff like that and getting on social media. And I really started just by doing lives because I wanted to get better at it. But it was it only took about two or three videos to realize, hey, I'm not really I'm not really that good at this. I, my wife kept telling me, you say um and ah a lot. <laughs> and in fact, a couple of times she's like, you know, you said um 42 times in that video. And I'm like, <laughs> so I started getting a little bit of a conscious about that but then I started realizing that my target audience is contractors and roofers and startup business owners and they really seen that as I was being authentic and transparent and that I was genuine you know I'm, I'm a real guy and I'm, I'm not really like a commentator and I make mistakes and uh, most of them are like you know hey I couldn't get on video so I'm glad he's doing it I just interviewed yeah. a guy here before you then and he was really really nervous to get on my podcast and do an interview but he did a great job he did a great job but People have that stigma. You know, that's why public speaking is like the number one fear, right? Right up yep. there with death. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it, technically, they actually say that death is 
second to public speaking. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> you'd rather die than speak in your own funeral? I mean, right. like, to me, it just seems like <laughs> kind yep. of crazy. But, yeah, well, hey, I really appreciate you getting on. Lots of great advice. and uh, So I'll give you, I'll give you a tip because yep. I, I know I didn't finish yep. it. I'll give you a tip. Just assume that you're probably going to make some mistakes when you do a video or you get on social media. Yep. You just assume it. And sometimes I just apologize to people. And when I'm doing my podcast, I say, you know, Pete, this is my first time doing this. I just wanted to get in front of you and, and share my story. Don't tell people, like, do this, don't, you know, do this, do that. This is factual, blah, blah, blah. If you just share your story, share your experience, nobody can argue with your story and your experience because it's you, it's your story personally. It's unique to you. It's authentic. It's authentic. And, you know, I love that because I actually listened to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, which is extremely powerful. I really like it. And so he, one of the things he always says is, it is better to be a leader that is always real than, than one that's always right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. Totally being authentic. So, well, hey, I appreciate you being on the show. Yep. I hope uh, we can do another interview in, in sometime in the future. And the next time around, I'm actually going to do a live video, like a real video video, not just audio. But I really appreciate you getting on the show okay. and I appreciate that so much. Okay, thanks. So you have a good day. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us. If you have suggestions or comments or would like to have more information, visit jacobdlee.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com.